Amen. This morning as we come together, I'm reminded that one of the greatest gifts God gives us as a church is encouragement. And this morning, you may have to practice that gift of encouragement here in this worship setting. I recognize that this morning, you may have to prod somebody to stay awake. You may have to maybe thump them on their ear this morning, only if they're adults, right? You may have to give a little extra encouragement for those of you that might have stayed up or stayed out at a certain ball game last night. I know it is an achievement that you have just made it here. I understand. But maybe your brother and sister will encourage you this morning. And uh, through that encouragement, you can stay awake and you can hear what God has to say. And hopefully this morning as well, we will be able to bless his name. Bless what the Lord Jesus has done in our lives. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, as we look in verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're beginning a new series today. As we look through the first few chapters of Genesis, as we see God instill a worldview within us, as we recognize around us every day that there are cultural issues that we face, there are things that we as the church ought to be speaking for. We ought to be standing for. And you know, as I've been preparing for this series, as I've been looking at all the different things that are coming at us as a church, as a people, it seemed that so much of what we face is addressed in the first three chapters of Genesis. It's amazing how in those first few chapters, God somehow sets for us a foundation. He gives us a Christian biblical worldview. And when we embrace that worldview, we are allowed to live in power and in purpose each day in our culture. So I pray that in the coming days, as we look at these passages, God will speak to us. Now, let me say to you, over the next few weeks, there will be some subjects, there will be some topics that will be difficult for us to address. They're difficult for our culture. They're difficult for us as a church. I've entitled this series, The Untouchables, because in so many ways, the culture has said to us as a church, we ought not to speak about these things. We ought not to touch them. We ought to just kind of just continue what we're doing and, and never address the real issues of the day. And yet, we know from the example of Christ Jesus that he lived the truth in love daily. And that example informs us. And he lived, I think, with a Genesis biblical worldview, a worldview for us to embrace and for us to live daily. So I want to begin today right there, Genesis 1-1, the very first verse of the first book of our scripture. And listen to the beauty of it. Listen to the majesty of it. Listen to God's strength. On display it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth I think it was the great Baptist statesman Herschel Hobbes said that no commentary should or have to be made upon that verse 
Just reading it speaks so many volumes. And, and for some of you today, you say, I embrace Dr. Hobbs on that. I think that's good. You spoke the word this morning. Let's go. I got to get early now. Well, I think if you look at it, you do hear the majesty, the strength of God. But at the same time, I think we can reflect upon it this morning. I think as we hear that verse, as we hear God's word to us, somehow we're able to see not only the creator, but we're to see his powerful creation. How our God was so powerful in the way he created all things. Now, notice this. It says, in the beginning, God. In other words, in the very beginning, before we could even imagine creation as, as we do today, there was God. There was a transcendent, there was a supreme being of the universe. I think we have to start there. I mean, that should inform our worldview. It should inform everything that we do daily. The truth and the reality is that there is a God. There is something that is bigger than us. There is someone who commands our lives. I mean, when we start there and we frame it in such a way, then we know that God has spoken in significance to us because there is only one God. In the beginning, he is self-existent. He is self-sustaining. He does not need help from anyone. He himself is the one who worked in his own way to create. Now, this spoke to the earliest philosophies. The earliest philosophies believed that creation had always existed. I mean, the Greeks themselves believed that, that creation, nature that you see, that somehow it had always existed and that it was self-perpetuated that somehow it could exist on its very own because it had always existed for all of eternity. The Christian worldview is there is a God, and he is the one that is responsible for all of creation, and that he worked in power. Notice what it says. God created the heavens and the earth. That's a way of saying that God created everything. God, God created everything. The heavens and the earth. In totality, everything that we see, God has created. And how did he create it? Well, I'm not going to read the verses for you today necessarily, but I encourage you to go home and to read this chapter. It's phenomenal to see God's power and his strength. He was able to create by simply speaking. He spoke a word and guess what? There was creation. How powerful is that for a moment? I mean, think a moment in your life about just being able to speak a word, just being able to speak something and hoping that it would come true. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe some of you, maybe some of you, as you were thinking about your specific team, uh, football team, you, you just spoke it aloud. I hope they win today. Or maybe some of you said, I hope we get this game started. <laughs> or some of you said, I hope we have a new quarterback today. 
Or some of you simply said, I just hope we don't choke today. You know, some of you, you, you spoke in such a way. Now, just because you speak that does not mean it comes true, right? Oh, no, I've seen some of you drag in here on Sunday morning. You spoke it on Saturday, but you came in here defeated on Sunday morning. It doesn't just happen because we speak it. I mean, I would love to have a little more power in my speech, in the words that I say. When I, when I say to my children, come on, let's go. I'd love for that to have significance. <laughs> I mean, there are so many times I wish that my speech or my words, somehow I could just speak it and it would come true. Seriously. There are moments when I minister to people's hearts and lives. I wish I could just speak and resolve all of the pain and all of the discouragement that they feel. You've been there before. Where it seems like the words themselves can be so inadequate, insufficient. Now, I believe God can use us to encourage. I'm not saying that he can't. I believe God... But I'm convinced that my words alone cannot bring healing. God has to anoint those words and has, he has to work in his own way to really, truly bring healing to people. My words can be so insufficient. Just because I speak it does not mean it happens. But my friends, the God we serve, that transcendent being who is, who is distinct and different from all creation, when he speaks, he has the power to create. And that is what we see in this first chapter, that simply through his word. And not only can he create when he speaks, but he can create out of nothing itself. Now, verse 2 if you would look at it and just kind of read through it, you'll hear where it talks about this void, this emptiness. If you look at the translation, it almost can say out of nothingness. Well, in case we were confused about it, later on, the writer of Hebrews speaks to us very clearly about the creation event. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, that means by total trust, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things framed by the Word of God, notice again the emphasis upon God's Word, upon His power here. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, God created what we see today out of nothing. What power, what majesty, that God can take nothing and he can create something. And not just something, but for those of us that look at nature and look at creation to see the grandeur of that, the beauty of that, and to know that God is the architect of it all. It speaks not only of the Creator, but it speaks of His powerful creation. 
the power that he had to create out of nothing. Again, think of how insufficient and inadequate we are. We talk about how difficult it is just to make something happen when we speak, but think about the idea of creating something out of nothing. Now, I have difficulty putting together a swing set. Not many of you are surprised. <laughs> I am not really mechanically oriented. I mean, I can think about it, but usually that's the reason I have deacons in the church, so that they can do things like that, you know? It's hard for me to kind of bring things together and orchestrate it in the right way. Yes, when I read the directions, it does save time, but it's still difficult for me to do, to put all those things together. But, for, but just for a moment to suggest that I would be able to go and make something out of nothing, it's impossible. It's impossible. And yet, that is the God we serve. And again, he is separate from creation. So he made it. I mean, he has demonstrated his power. He is the transcendent being above. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. He is the sovereign because he is the one who has created. And he is distinct from creation. See, so many people today, so many people around our globe have embraced creation and nature, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But I'm afraid too many have embraced the creation. Well, they've embraced it as their God. They have seen creation, and they've enjoyed it, and somehow they have become devoted to it. Read Romans chapter 1 again, a chapter that I shared several weeks ago, where it said that so many cultures had what had embraced creation rather than the creator. We see that around us today. But we need to understand that creation is not God. It can be beautiful. It can be wonderful. We can enjoy it. But it is not God. There is a creator that is above. He is transcendent. In the beginning, God created. That word create, by the way, it is a verb, obviously, that is used only with God as its subject. If you were to look at that verb in the Hebrew, only God is the subject of that verb, which means that it is a distinct kind, special kind of work that can only, I think, according to the Hebrews as they understood this, that could only be accomplished by God. Only God could create in such a way. Well, some of you come this morning, you say, well, not life-changing for me. I believe in one God. I believe He is the Creator. I believe He's transcendent. What does that mean in my life? This is what it means. If our God is the one who created all things... If he is the transcendent one, then that means he calls us to submit to him continually. Because if he is the one that has created all of finite reality, 
All of reality itself has to bow before Him and His truth. So it means that we, everybody, comes before and is called to submit and to surrender to Him. Now, I don't know about you, but theologically, I can affirm God is Creator. I can even do it verbally. But there are moments in my life where my words and my actions do not always reflect my submission to that Creator. There are times in my life that I deem that I will be the transcendent one. I'll do what I want to do. Now, I'll not say that in such ways, but I'll live like that in my life, right? There'll be times when I just say, I'm going to assume responsibility for this. I'm going to decide what I want to do for myself. And I place myself upon that throne. And yet again, God is the one who is the creator. He's the one that has demonstrated so much power, so much powerful than you, so much powerful, more powerful than I am. And as creator in his powerful creation, he calls us to surrender and to submit. Well, the first verse speaks about the creator and his powerful creation, but it also speaks about the Creator and His personal creation. What do I mean by that? It says, in the beginning, God created. God created. So in other words, He was personally involved in His creation. In other words, He didn't choose other intermediaries. He didn't say, yeah, you angels, you go to this. No, He had not, he had not chosen any other avenue, any other method of creation. He himself created. He created. He was personally involved. I think that's great. Because you see, I serve a God who is powerful and who is wonderful. But I also serve a God who is personal and intimate. Even here in the very first verse of the Bible, you see that God is not just aloof. He's not just distant. But he's actually involved in creation. He takes the initiative. He acts. He brings forth the cre- all of creation. Again, if you were to read the rest of this chapter, you'll see where he'll determine that the moon will be here and the sun will be there. And he'll, he'll separate the land from the seas. And he'll create, of course, the animals and the vegetation and In a few weeks, we'll look at how he created humanity itself. And he was personally involved in that. So here's a great God, transcendent being, who also says, I want to be involved in the creation process. I want to be personally involved in this world that I am going to create. Now, see... There are those who believe that God just kind of created the world and just left it. Just left it. When I was in my first American literature classes, I remember the teacher talking about this thing called deism, which was very influential in the beginning of our nation, deism. Many different people held it. I don't think all of them held it, as some believe, but there were some who held to deism. Well, what, what is deism? 
Well, it basically meant that God created the world and then he just kind of took his hands off of it and left it to do what it would do. It's kind of like the idea of the watch or the clock, right? You remember a few weeks ago, I mentioned to you that Paley, Willard Paley, I believe, said that if you were to walk into the jungle, just be in South America, wherever, and you walk into a jungle, and all of a sudden you look down and you find a watch or a clock, you would determine for yourself that some intelligent being had been there, right? Two of you would have. (laughs) The rest of you, well... If you look down and you see a watch in the middle of the jungle and you notice it's working and it's got all of the complexity and all the things, when, when you look at that, you would think somebody had to be here. This couldn't just pop up out of the ground. It's not random. It's not chance that created this. Had to be somebody. Well, you do that. Well, certainly when you look at creation, as we've suggested, as I suggested a few weeks ago, you can see there is a God. All of creation declares there's a God. Because when you look at it, it just is so perfectly designed. We'll talk about that more in a moment, but so perfectly designed that you've got to say there's an intelligent being. Well, so many people get that far and they say, hey, I believe... That God created the world. But the deist and some others and some of us live like deists, by the way. We kind of feel like, well, God, he created, but he just wound the clock up and now he's just letting it, the minutes tick by. He doesn't have personal involvement. That's not a biblical worldview. It's not a Christian worldview. Here in Genesis, God was intimately involved in the creation. And as we understand it from not only the Hebrew thought, but also the New Testament thought, God is still actively involved in his work, in his creation. He has not stepped back and said, I'm going to be hands off. No, God is still personally involved in his creation. Listen to this. Paul writes to the Colossians. He says, for by him. Now, who is Paul speaking about? He's actually speaking of Jesus Christ here. By him, by Jesus Christ, all things were created that were in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, And for him. And then listen to verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That means that not only did God, Jesus Christ himself, create all things, but that all things continue to consist. Through him. In other words, all things are held together by him. Every day he sustains our world, the creation around us. He is sustaining it. It consists through him. How, 
How amazing to get that concept into our lives and to live every day as though he is personally involved in creation and he is working creation toward his purpose and plan. He's personally involved. That he's personally involved in your life and personally involved in mine. He's personally involved in the events of history and creation. He didn't just wind up the clock. He decided he would stay and he would be involved in the affairs of men and women. Now I look around me and I see so many things that happen. And I recognize that I live in a fallen, broken world, right? Every day I'm reminded of that. Broken relationships, broken hopes, broken lives. I recognize that. And I'll see that even though God called his creation good, man will mar creation through sin and through his fall. But yet, despite our flaws, despite all the things that we mess up, our God is still in control. He is still the creator. And he is still the one who is intimately working in our lives. Well, 15 years ago today, I was sitting on the campus of New Orleans Seminary. I was going through my first class. We began to hear reports of the things that were happening at the World Trade Center. Of course, there was so much confusion of what had initially happened, what this meant. But by the time the second airplane hit the World Trade Center, the second World Trade Center, it was somewhat apparent to all of us that this nation was under attack. And there was so much anxiety. Some of you remember the day. You remember where you were. So much anxiety. Well, we got in. I usually would carpool with some of the other guys to school. And we got in and we started back to pick you. We just felt like Picayune was probably a safe place to be at the moment, you know? I don't know if I'd ever wanted to be in Picayune so much in my life. I just wanted to get across those twin spans, get back. I was hearing things on the radio. I, I could, they didn't know what was happening. Well, I had left just before chapel. But word reached me of the chapel service that had happened on the campus of New Orleans. That morning, Dr. Argel Smith was getting up to preach. And of course, he had his prepared comments and his sermon. But that day called for a different passage, a different theme. And Argel opened up to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17. And he read it to the seminary campus, those who were there. And then, of course, those of us who could, could hear or those of us that heard in the coming days what he would say. And this is, again, what he affirmed. He affirmed that it was through him, through Christ, that all things were created 
and that all things still consisted through him. Do you know how comforting it was in those days to know that, yes, our world seemed to be in chaos, but the God who brought design out of chaos, the God who was good and the God who was personally involved in our lives, that God was still in control. Do you know how important it was for us to recognize that it was even even through him that the history, that the events, that creation itself still consisted, that he was still in charge no matter what the chaos, no matter what the confusion. So I say to you, when you come to this and you recognize that, that God is not only powerful in his creation, but he's personal in his creation, I think he calls us not only to submit, but he calls us to have faith and trust, to recognize that through him all things sustain My friends, we are still in a world that can be thrown into chaos, whether it's a terrorist attack or a cultural issue that we face or the events of the day, whatever it is, we can still experience that. But I promise you that the God who has the power to speak creation into existence is still the God who is in charge. And you and I need to take faith in that and trust and see the issues of our day Through the lens of Jesus Christ. Because our God is not just powerful in his creation and personal in his creation. But our God is purposeful in his creation. In other words, he's had a purpose and a design. I spoke to you a moment ago about... The creation itself, nature itself, looking and seeing the purpose and seeing how God designed it. I mean, when I look at the complexity of creation, when I recognize that the earth is in the exact place it needs to be for a life, a little closer, well, the sun would ravage us. A little farther away, We know that we would not have the warmth for life. When I recognize that God designed the sun and the moon in the right places for the right moments, when I recognize that the complexity of the human body, the complexity of the human body itself, I am convinced that God not only created us and created this world, But he created us with purpose and design. That he has purpose for his creation. And that he is fulfilling that purpose. That he is working toward a goal. Listen, the very idea that the opening verse of the opening book says, In the beginning, that very idea suggests there is an ending. If there is a beginning, then there is an ending. And God is going to bring to culmination the purpose for his creation and for his world. One of these days, he will come and he will bring all things into order. That same powerful, transcendent being that we serve, the personal God that we have committed ourselves to, will continue to work toward that purpose. And what is the purpose? I think it may have been best captured by Moses in Numbers 14, 21. 
What is God working toward? What is the purpose? Moses said, basically, that one day there would be a world filled with his glory. In other words, that one day all that will be seen or all that will be experienced will be finally brought to an ending where the world itself will recognize and give glory to the one God above. Remember what it says? That at one day, one moment, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. That's a world that recognizes His glory, His majesty, recognizes who He is. That's what we're moving toward. God's working purposefully. He's going to redeem creation. Even the most fallen areas of creation, He will redeem. Romans chapter 1 again that we shared just a few weeks ago says that all, all of this creation that declares Lord, it declares God, it declares His invisible attributes. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, all of he heaven, all of creation is declaring the glory of God. In Romans 8, it says that creation groans for the adoption of the sons of God, the children of God. It groans because it wants to see the purpose finally fulfilled. So what is our response to this? Well, our response is to live with purpose each day. Specifically, our response should be declaring the glory of our God to everyone and to the nations themselves. If the heavens, if the stars declare the glory of God, then how much more so we as God's people should be out declaring the glory of our God? How much more so should we speak the majestic name of Jesus and tell people that it is through him and through him alone that they can know salvation and redemption and the glory of the Father? It is for us to speak. It is for us to declare the glory of our Creator so that others might come and recognize him and know him. The creator in his powerful creation, the creator in his personal creation, the creator in his purposeful creation. God wants a whole world that is filled with his glory. It begins again as we submit ourselves to the God above. As we trust him that he will continue to work. He will continue to allow the events and the happenings of our creation. He will allow those things to fulfill his purpose and his plan ultimately. It will be as we go and declare his glory to the nations. We're even told one of the reasons that he's delayed his return and the fulfillment of his creation. One of the reasons he's returned is that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. We're told that he has delayed his return because he wants the nations themselves to know the good news and the gospel. Friends, I pray constantly 
Even so, come Lord Jesus. I pray that he would return. But also God has convicted me not just to pray that he would return. He has convicted me that I should be out and about bringing the word to the nations that they might know the gospel, give him glory so that God, Jesus Christ, can return as we demonstrate our obedience. Today, today, my friends, recognize him once again as a creator. Recognize the power that he's demonstrated. Recognize the personal involvement he's had and he wants to continue to have in your life. Today, recognize that God has a purpose for his creation for you. And he wants to fulfill that. He wants you to come to redemption. For those of you who've never accepted Christ, I guarantee you, I know it is God's will. He wants you to come. He desires you to come and give your heart and life to him and see how he can redeem his creation. Those of you who are saved, those of us who are saved, he calls us again to submit, have faith, and declare his glory. What a day for us to commit to do those things. Let's pray together. We're thankful for who you are and for what you've done. Father, we pray that in this place today that you would speak to us. God, that you would allow us during this moment of invitation, reflection, commitment. You would allow us to come and to adore you as the creator, to recognize you. And God, Lord, on this day, when we reflect back as well, May we come and may we place our faith in you. That even through the most difficult days we face, you have the ability to work. You are in control. Father, this day, save that one which is lost. Draw those of us who need to recommit to declaring your creative power, your glory to those around us. God, do your work now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.